All right. You guys ready? Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. I am going to do a Mother's Day sermon. I was going to just continue along with Mark. You're going to have to come back next week to get part two to, from what we talked about the week before. Um, we are actually talking about money and the rich young ruler. But this morning, it's Mother's Day. We want to honor moms. We want to, we want to talk about how important it is. Um, there is information in the news this week, uh, if unless you've not been watching the news, um, something that is very, very what I believe near to the heart of God is an issue in our culture. It's been an issue for 50 years, uh, and that's the Roe versus Wade decision. Um, some people think we shouldn't mention that kind of thing in church. I don't know where else you mention it. Uh, I think it is a part of the fabric of being a Christian um, that uh, the murder of the unborn is not something that should be happening. Um, and so there's a lot going on. I would simply say we need to be praying. Uh, the Bible instructs us to pray for our leaders, even if we didn't vote for them. In fact, voting for leaders is a relatively novel idea over the past couple hundred years. So the fact that we are privileged to, to vote and we're privileged uh, to live in a democratic society, which isn't perfect, but it's a lot better than a tyrant uh, just saying, yeah, we're just going to raise the taxes to 97%. Uh, it's much better to have what we have. Uh, but we should be praying for them. Uh, Arwen, we taught Arwen that we're supposed to pray for the leaders. And so now Arwen shames us on a regular... Arwen's my eight-year-old. She shames us on a regular basis because we we take turns sometimes at, at dinner praying. And Arwen will always pray for President Biden every single time. She's like, uh, we're going to, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. We taught her to do that. And here she is doing it. So let me just take a page out of Arwen's book and say, you should be praying for President Biden. You should be praying for the governor of the state you live in. You should be praying for the Congress. You should most certainly be praying for the Supreme Court. Uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade does not eliminate abortion, unfortunately, despite what you hear. On the news, it just sends it back to the states, but it is a gigantic victory. There have been 63.5 million babies aborted since 1973, 900,000 per year. Who can fathom the horror of that? But it is Mother's Day, and it is appropriate to mention how precious children and life is. So, pray. That is my opening remarks for this morning. In Proverbs, I told you to go to Proverbs chapter 6, correct? I want you to read with me. Uh, we're going to read verse 20 through 23. Just to start this morning with the flavor of where we want to go in talking about moms and how important being a mother is. My son... Keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. I'd like to point out that it's really ideal, important, necessary, but there be a mom and a dad. And I know that's not always the case. But a mom and a dad together are the way Proverbs list this. We're focusing on mom this morning, but I want to show that biblically, moms and dads together is 
God's way of having a community of faith that grows up in the fear and the wonder and the joy of the Lord. So, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. He's not saying that mom and dad are going to be there. saying that the teaching that mom and dad gave will be there. Has any, can anybody say amen to the truth of that? Anybody, how many of you had parents that raised you? They weren't perfect. We're just putting that off to the side. There's none of us perfect. Parents made all kinds of mistakes. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate mo a mom and a dad that taught me the scriptures. Just, just by our show of hands, how many of you had that growing up? There's a lot of us in here. Now, not everybody did. But it is incredibly important that we do that. And the book of Proverbs kicks it off by telling us you need to hang on to the teaching and the commandments you received from your parents. Now, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to read several verses here. We're going to read starting in verse 3 through verse 14. This is probably the last letter that Paul wrote. He was an old man. He was in a prison. He ends the letter asking for a coat and some parchments and some books. As far as we know, shortly after he wrote this letter, he was beheaded. This is his swan song, so to speak. And his one of the, the final things that he's doing is he is writing a letter to a young man, a young pastor named Timothy, that he referred to as his son in the faith. I want us to hear the way he talks to Timothy. And part of the reason uh, that I want us to hear that is, is how important Timothy's mother is to who Timothy is as a person. Because Paul considers himself a father spiritually to Timothy. You'll hear what, I, what, we're, what we're shooting for this morning. We'll start with verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death 
and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. These are the words, opening words, to Timothy from his mentor, the Apostle Paul. There is something in here that lets us know that Timothy was not a grab-the-bull-by-the-horns type of leader. Timothy instead was the kind of leader that struggled in his youth to confront and deal with all the stuff that he had to deal with. God uses all kinds of different leaders. Let me create a parenthesis, not my note. Let me just say something. This is a little personal on my side. When I was growing up, we took spiritual gifts tests. Raise your hand if you've been subjected to that abuse. Um, okay. We took spiritual gifts tests, and then we came up with more spiritual gifts tests, and then we had other spiritual gifts tests, and then we had personality tests attached to the spiritual gifts test. And basically what would happen is we would say, Rob, this is your personality. Here's the things you can do. And Rob would say, well, musician isn't in there. But that's what I'm up here doing. Too bad, Rob. You got to lay the guitar down because you didn't come out right on the spiritual gift test. It's not in your gift mix. Now, I am making fun intentionally because I want to make fun because what happens in the spiritual gift test world is you start defining people in these little boxes. More importantly, and more badly, that's not the right way to say it, but worse for all of us, is you start defining yourself by the personality trait or the personality test or the spiritual gift test. Now, if you've never done one, you really have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you've done spiritual gifts tests in the past and personality tests, we're going to try to figure out what you're supposed to do with your life, uh, it could become very frustrating. So early on, I realized that I'm probably more like a leader that Timothy is, that I don't particularly enjoy con confrontation or just uh, getting up in somebody's face over something or confronting those who are not telling the truth. Uh, that's not going to be my top three exciting things as a leader. has to be done, so I do it, but I don't do it with any relish of any kind. Now, there are other leaders that it just seems like it's water off a duck's back. You're wrong. You're wrong. we got to get this right. It's just easy. I'm just not that guy. But in the spiritual gifts test, if I had followed them, I wouldn't be standing up here today. You want to know why? Because it didn't make sense for me to go plant the church and do, because of my personality didn't fit. Is everybody following what I'm saying? Timothy gives me a little bit of hope that God will take weak, anemic people and put them in places that they don't think that they can do what they're supposed to do. God uses us and calls us frequently in a way that has nothing to do with what your personality would suggest it's supposed to do. We have a horn again. How many of you were here Easter? Okay. We'll figure it out. 
So just thought I'd address it immediately. Last time I waited a little bit. It's, it's, Mother, it's Mother's Day, Easter. It's, it's just the way it works. So God calls us to do things for his glory. This is why Gideon had too many men. He had to keep narrowing it down, narrowing it down. Like, okay, you got too many. You got too many. We got a couple tests. You get Okay, 300 versus 10,000. That sounds like better odds that God gets the glory. So God is always going to receive the glory through the ministry that we enact. Timothy's issue, as you can see in verse 6, Paul tells him, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy, you have received a gift. It's there. It's been imparted. The elders gathered around. You were commissioned into this leadership role. A spiritual gift was imparted through the Holy Spirit, through this laying on of hands. Don't forget that. Later in the letter, he reminds him again about this. You've got the gift to do what you need to do. And then he says, God's not given us a spirit of fear. Now, when I was a kid, I got this verse memorized because I was scared all the time at night to go to sleep. And I'd quote this verse in my head and say it out loud and nothing wrong with that. But this verse is not about being scared of the dark. This verse is being scared of you, being scared of people, being scared of their opinions, being scared of the repercussions of being a Christian in 2022. Because there are repercussions. There are more and more repercussions. Church, I'm telling you right now, there are going to be increasing repercussions to be a Christian that is unashamed. We are constantly being herded subtly and not so subtly in the corners of shame that we don't even recognize that's what happened. But what's happened is, is you just shut up, put your head down and go forward. And I'm just, just telling you that this verse is going to be one you need engraved on your heart, God's not given us a spirit of fear. That means literally an attitude or a mindset of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Do you hear what the mentor Paul is doing? Paul, as a mentor, is instructing Timothy so let's do let's go. Let's do it. Well, this is this is a good lesson for all of us. Because if you if you are a mentor or a leader, part of what we should be doing is this is mentoring those to encourage and each other, encourage one another. We can do it. Let's go. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. That's what Paul is doing for Timothy. Tells him to fan the gift in the flame. He tells him you're not supposed to have any fear. Tells him you're not supposed to have any shame. And he goes on and says something super exciting in verse 8. Let's read that together. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. I'm writing this for jail, from jail. But share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Timothy, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to suffer. You're going to be persecuted. He says it more and more in this letter. But share in that suffering for the gospel, and you're going to do so by the power of God. This is Paul encouraging Timothy, the timid one. Timothy, buck up. Do it. Don't be afraid. 
don't be ashamed, you're going to suffer, let's get after it. This is Paul, the type A personality, talking to Timothy, the not-so-type A personality, saying, we can do it, let's go. That's what's happening. And he gets all kinds of theology in here. Go down to verse 13. He gives him some meat to what he's instructing him to do. Follow the pattern of of the sound words that you have heard from me. I have laid out the gospel. I have laid out. Paul and Timothy spent hours and years together. Love to have heard what that was like. Just spent lots of time outlining the theology, the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Nobody received the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory, like the Apostle Paul did. It is unbelievable when you read the book of Romans in particular. Just unreal. That's why Peter says, Paul wrote some things that are hard to understand. Because his understanding of the gospel was mind-blowing. And he's reminding Timothy of the pattern of sound words, of this gospel message. Don't forget what you've been taught. You've heard it from me. And the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then he goes back to God by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You've received a gift. You've received a pattern of sound doctrine. You've got what you need. Let's go. That's what's happening. I skipped a verse as I went through here. It's verse 5. Go back to verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure dwells in you as well. Now, we've met Lois before. She's in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Let me read you that. I went to the wrong verse. Hang on. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. So Paul meets Timothy's mother on his missionary journeys. That's how he found him. He's got a Jewish mom and a Greek dad. Didn't happen very often. I mean, you had a believing Jewish, messianic Jewish believing mom and a Greek father. Paul in verse 5 tells us that when he thinks of Timothy, what he's reminded of is his sincere faith, a faith which was first in Grandma Lois and in your mom, Eunice. Now, what is really cool about this is the word grandmother in Greek is literally mammy. It means mammal, grandma, matmal, mimi. What are you called? Moms, grandmothers that are in the room. Whatever that little name is that is unique to you and your family that you get called if you're a grandmother, that's what this word is. It's the the close-knit, loving, intimate way that we would address our grandmother. And that is what Paul does here. This tells you that somewhere, because he met met them uh, on his journey, that they spent time with each other. He knew 
Grandma Lois, Mimi, Matt Maul, whatever, whatever she was, whatever they were calling her, he knew her. And he knows his mother. And he knows what kind of women they were because they were women of faith and they passed it on. He called it sincere faith. This isn't the only place that he says it. If you stay in the letter, go to verse or chapter 3, and I want to read a couple more verses. Chapter 3, verse 10. This is still Paul in the same letter, talking to the same timid guy, circling back to more, let's get after it. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. That's where. He was at when he met Grandma Lois and Mama Eunice. Which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. You hear the flavor already. Timothy, you, you know and have followed me through all this. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You should put that verse on your refrigerator. Draw a little, little heart and flower or something, but... Not everybody's favorite verse, but there it is. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's look at that again. Verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Who did he learn it from? Grandma Lois and Mama Eunice. He learned it from his mom. He didn't learn it from his dad because his dad was a Greek and an unbeliever. He learned it from his mom and from his grandmother. Listen to the way he describes it in verse 15, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scripture. You have from childhood been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Because all the sacred writings of the Old Testament are pointing to Christ. And you were saturated in the sacred writings by a mother and a grandmother who believed. And Paul, and this, this whole reason I'm reading this about the way Paul is mentoring and encouraging, kind of shoving Timothy is the way it feels. He's, he's like, come on, let's do it, let's go. All of that is predicated on the fact that mom and grandma raised him right. Paul keeps reaching back into Timothy's past saying, you know this stuff. 
You've learned it because you had a mother and a grandmother that faithfully instructed you in the Word of God. Let's really, really just end the sermon right there. Because what you and I should hear in this is how important it is, mom and grandma. I like how it includes both mom and Mimi. That you're pouring your heart and scripture and love into a child is never, ever in vain. You are setting a foundation. You are preparing a life in front of our children to wherever God wants to take them. And and that foundation, like we read in Proverbs, bind these sayings around your neck. They will not depart from you. The, The wisdom to know and be wise about salvation through faith in Jesus Christ comes because at a young age, We are teaching our children the Word of God. Moms, it is so valuable what you do. And part of the reason I want to encourage mothers this morning is you just, you probably don't get much of it. There's, you, you, you're doing your duty and your job and you're frazzled and you're, you're raising kids and, there's so many moms in here this morning and grandmothers that are in here this morning. Some of, We're all at different stages where our children are. But it is so valuable what you do. Teaching your children to pray over their food. Teaching your children the importance of Scripture. If they don't do memory verses, you can start doing memory verses. All right, kids. If by Friday you know this verse, we'll get ice cream. Whatever it would be. Now, when I was a kid, we in our children's church, we had to read through the Bible in a year. And if you read through the Bible in a year, then uh, you had an ice cream party. And so we would read the Bible as a family. Still some of my favorite memories, except when my dad did it. Uh, we always wanted mom to do it. Because when mom did it, she just did it. When dad did it, he read three words and then talked for 25 minutes. And I have no idea if there's anybody else in the family that would be like that. But my kids probably feel the same way. But seriously, when, when dad read it, we never got further than half of a, half of a chapter. Mom would read three chapters. Uh, so, but, and I also found out that uh, we skipped some things um, growing up because later as I got older and I went back and read some stuff in the Old Testament, I was like, we definitely did not read that when I was eight years old. So mom was like, okay, we're skipping over some parts in the Song of Solomon. Uh, we're skipping over some of the sins of these kings. Uh, so yeah, you get to find some of that out later when you're an adult. But the value that was in that, indescribable. And sometimes you get weary in doing the little things that seem insignificant. It really does seem insignificant, praying over your food, praying before you go to sleep, praying before you go to school, praying when your kid is having a tough day. Okay, we're going to take this to the Lord. All right, kids are being mean. What's the Bible say about it? 
What's the Bible say about gossip? What's the Bible say about jealousy? What's the Bible say about anger? What's the Bible say about forgiveness? And it starts tying into what they're experiencing in their little lives. And they get older and older and older. And they you keep doing that. Really, to be honest, when they're in their 20s and their 30s, you can continue to do that. It's just the conversation level changes. But mom, you are invaluable in this role as a mother. And grandma, Mimi, mamma, you are invaluable as well. Because Paul kept pointing back in this letter to grandma and mom and what Timothy had learned. Paul's reaching back in order to motivate this young pastor. He's reaching back into his past, his mother's and grandmother's teaching in his life and saying, you remember the way you were raised, right? He was basically saying, your mother raised you well. She raised you to be a follower of Scripture. Now let's take that and the teaching you've got from me and the gift that the Holy Spirit has given you and let's go. Let's do what God's called you to do. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. And you're going to suffer. But because you've received this good deposit, from the Holy Spirit, through your mom, through your grandmother, you're going to be able to do what you need to do and what God's called you to do. It's really encouraging to know that the Apostle Paul recognizes how important the teaching of his mother was. I want to keep reading after verse 15. All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul is reminding Timothy that you were taught these sacred writings as a child, so that now, later in life, as a man of God, as a man called into the ministry, you can be complete. And then the final thing that Paul does, and all of this is drawn off of the fact that he was raised with the Scripture. Paul gives what I would say is the grenade, the, the charge that he's given that corresponds to what God's called him to do. In the face of his being timid, in the face of the upcoming persecution, in the face of his reluctance, this is what Paul tells him to do. I charge you in the present, this is chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth, 
wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That is heavy stuff. He is telling him, you have to preach, you have to rebuke, you have to correct, you have to exhort, you have to do it with patience and teaching. You can't just fly off the handle, Timothy. You can't confront the difficult situations by just getting angry. You've got to do it with patience. You've got to do it with teaching. You've got to do it in a way that honors God. There's a time coming where people are not going to listen to you. You're going to have to preach it anyway. You're going to have to say it anyway. Don't pay attention to them. Verse 5, as for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work as an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Paul is encouraging his protege to do it. And the reason he's able to do it with that much oomph is one, because he's near the end of his life. He's just got both barrels pointed and he's just letting it all go. The other reason that he's referred to twice in this letter is he's talking to a young man who was raised by his mother and his grandmother to revere the Scripture and the God of Scripture. The foundation for Timothy to be able to do what God had called him to do was laid by his mother. Moms, you do not know who you are raising. There could be, up in that classroom right now, they're, they're planting strawberries and they're doing all kinds of cool stuff. In that classroom right now, could be another Billy Graham. We, we don't know. In the classroom right now could be a kid that God gives the grace to discover a cure for cancer to the glory of God who gets on national television and says, God led me to this conclusion. They could just be a regular person that works a regular job, but they influence everybody they come in contact with because of the salt and the light that you raise them to understand and to embrace through the Scripture. Your job as a mother is cataclysmic in the way that it affects the future. You do not know what you are doing you do not know who you are raising, but what we do know is this. You are raising them to love God and to trust God, to read Scripture, and to be saturated by it will alter their lives forever. And I am so appreciative of the, of the care and the concern that the moms in this church have in the raising of their children and the grandmothers in this room have as they watch their kids raise kids and as they're involved in their lives. 
And for every mom in here, because every time you have a Mother's Day sermon, there's this background of regret, right? Because this guilt complex comes up of all the things that didn't happen or the missed opportunities. God redeems the time. He redeems everything. And you can go to him today and say, Lord, from where I am today, help me to be like Eunice. Help me to be like Lois. How can I be as a grandmother or as a mom? And I've got a 32-year-old that isn't serving the Lord. How can I, where I am now, be what I need to be? God doesn't need you to be perfect. He needs you to trust Him. You can go to Him and say, Lord, I messed some things up. By showing of hands, moms and dads, any messing up that's happened uh, in the raising of children? Okay. Me too. I've told you the story about my voice cracking as I screamed at my kids. They're not in here right now. God fixes all kinds of things. Go to him, the same God that presided over the life of Timothy and his ministry, same God that you and I are serving. He can turn anything around. And he will. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's everybody stand up. I think it goes without saying everybody should call their mother today. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all those kids up in that classroom, Lord, and the moms that are in this room, and the grandmothers that are here. Lord, I pray that hearts would be encouraged. I pray that hearts would be on fire. Lord, that we've all received from you. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged to give, to teach, to train. That we would not give in to shame. That we would not give in to, I haven't done enough, or I missed the opportunity. Lord, if we're still alive, there's still opportunity. We thank you for that. I pray you would open doors. You would heal old wounds. Lord, I pray that today would be a day of blessing for every mom in this room, and that you would encourage every mother's heart. Lord, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise today. It's in the name of Jesus we thank you. Amen. Church, you are officially dismissed. You'll see whatever the kids bring out of that classroom. They may not be done. <laughs>